Our New Testament reading today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann did an interview a while back with Krista Tippett, the creator and host of the podcast On Being, among other things. And in that interview, he made the case for the church returning to a time when people of faith primarily used imagery rather than doctrine to make sense of God and their life lived before God. He said, doctrine closes and closes coming up with formula, but biblical poetry opens and opens, which is what we need. We need to relish the images to make them our framework of life and faith. In today's passage, Jesus gives us no shortage of images for the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew puts it, the other gospels call it the kingdom of God. We're given a list of similes. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like treasure hidden in a field. The plethora of examples indicates that Jesus appreciated imagery too, especially when it came to describing something as unfathomable as the kingdom of God. Today, I want to focus on that first example, the mustard seed, 
that eventually grows into a tree. As an image, I find it evokes a lot for me because of the memories tied to it. The seed alone is significant. Do you remember when this story was first shared by your Sunday school teacher? Maybe decades ago? Did she bring a mustard seed to class, placing it on the floor in front of you and your peers as you gawked at just how tiny it was? Did you carefully pass it around, feeling it between your fingers? The seed alone communicated something profound. From small beginnings come great things. It's an especially significant object lesson for children because they know what it is to feel small and perhaps even insignificant in their world. Children or not, we can all name some mustard seeds, those people and places and things that appear small and insignificant but contain a world of possibility. When I'm walking around big cities, especially, I love taking photos of the churches that are nested into those busy city blocks. Many of them are quite large and impressive cathedrals themselves, but in some cities, they barely peer out from the skyscrapers that surround them. At some point in time, their steeples were probably seen for miles, but now you almost have to be on their doorstep and looking straight up to see their magnitude. Majestic as some of these churches are, they look small in their surroundings. Many of them maintain open doors to their sanctuaries, and once inside, you feel like you have stepped into another universe. Soft candles illuminate stained glass windows and handfuls of people with bowed heads, finding some solace in the middle of what is perhaps a stressful day. And there is almost always an unhoused person catching some undisturbed sleep on a pew in the back. Tourists flock to these sanctuaries as well. When they've become completely lost, sanctuaries are places where they can rest their feet and carefully study their maps and find their way home, literally and figuratively. Increasingly, churches feel rather mustard seed-like amidst the skyscrapers and the cult of busyness and speed that surrounds them. Of course, the real crux of this parable isn't what the mustard seed is, but what it does. The seed might look tiny, but it becomes a rather nasty weed. In the 37-book series on natural history, Pliny the Elder described it succinctly. The mustard seed grows entirely wild, though it is improved by being transplanted. But on the other hand, when it has once been sown, 
it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it, as the seed, when it falls, germinates at once. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It is relentless. It is persistent. It is wild. It takes over the place that it has been scattered, which is surely a nuisance for those who were satisfied with that field just the way that it was. When we are talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about something that is more pervasive than dominant, as New Testament scholar Bernard Brandon Scott puts it. And we're always talking about something that feels like a mixed blessing, at least in the messy beginning. As we find ourselves four months into a pandemic that has upended our lives, punctuated by our country's reckoning with a racist past and present, and as we try to discern the way forward as individuals, as a society, as the church. I'm especially struck today by the call that I hear in this imagery. Sow the seeds. There's intention there. Someone took and sowed that mustard seed in his field, knowing full well what would happen to his field. There is a cooperating with God's vision here. There is a seeding of control. There is abiding trust. Who knows what will become of that field once the seed gets in there. There's a Presbyterian church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan that has been around for over a hundred years. But there haven't been enough people to maintain a worshiping community there for about 20 years. The building is old and large, and there have been several attempts by developers to tear it down and to build something more lucrative in its place. But so far, the neighborhood where the church resides hasn't let that happen. They've rallied a number of times to save the building, preserving it for the community's use. The reason for their passion is not only preservation of an historic building, but it is also, and foremost, their remembrance of the good that the church did for the neighborhood in years past. They remember the open doors for folks who were on their feet all day long. They remember the cups of coffee brewed for Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. They remember food drives during the holidays and blessing of the backpacks for the neighborhood children at the start of school. Even though most in the neighborhood never considered joining and probably wouldn't if a worshiping body was resurrected today, what they remember and value is that the church was a place for the community to gather and a place where real and specific needs were met, and it still is. The congregation is gone, 
But the neighbors surrounding the place continue the congregation's mission in one way or another. That patch of earth hasn't so easily freed itself from the seeds scattered by that congregation that met and witnessed decades ago. The church today, like the church yesterday, is called to simply sow the seed and then to live in the inevitable mess that it creates, trusting that there is indeed life on the other side. Dr. Scott points out that a mustard seed becoming a tree would be a biological miracle. It's just not what mustard seeds grew into, which is probably Jesus's way of emphasizing two truths. The kingdom of God, like the tree, is beyond our comprehension. And the faithful are called to sow the seeds that make the mess, knowing full well that we will live there for a lifetime, perhaps. In this season of pandemic, we have sown seeds out of wild. We have fed people, a lot of people. We have made true statements. We have begun the hard work of confession and repentance around white supremacy. The Mid-South Food Bank Mobile Food Pantry, Black Lives Matter, an impending study on anti-racism that will turn our focus inward in new and uncomfortable and hopefully transformative ways. We are sowing seeds that we will scarcely be able to free ourselves of. And that's a good thing because it is God's stubborn kingdom unfolding amongst us and sometimes even in spite of us. I want to end with a prayer written by Archbishop Oscar Romero. Archbishop Romero served in El Salvador in the 1960s and 70s against the backdrop of a severely repressive and U.S.-backed government and a civil war that ripped the country apart. He spoke out against human rights abuses, poverty, and the violence that consumed both the government and the rebels, and he was assassinated while leading mass in 1980. This is his prayer. It helps now and then to step back and take the long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. 
No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they will hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for God's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen and amen.